Hello, everyone. Um, um, my name is Patrick Zorro. This is the um, Quant Financial Engineering Podcast. And um, today I have a returning guest, uh, and uh, Brett Friedman is back. Uh, and uh, Brett uh, wants to talk to us. Interesting enough, since this is January 2024, he wants to talk to us about the January effect. Brett, what is it? Well, and thanks, welcome. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me again. First of all, uh, second of all, yeah, around the turn of the year, there's a lot of prognostications as to what's going to happen, uh, despite the fact that historically very few people can. Well, no one can tell the future, but everyone tries anyway. Uh, one of the most popular is called the January effect. The January barometer goes by various effects. It's very popular. You see the press pick it up almost every year. You'll see YouTube people talking about it. Basically what it, it's very simple. And the market loves nothing more than a simple maxim on how to trade. And that is what happens in January will is a precursor for what's going to happen for the rest of the year. So if January is up, the year will be up. There's some simple as that. It's just a sign thing. Doesn't indicate anything about the magnitude of the return or anything like that. Just says exactly what I said. January up, the year is going to be up. There's some variations on it. Uh, the first day of January, the first trading day of the year uh, is one indicator. The first five trading days, the first full week of trading, the month of January, you know, there's all sorts of variations on it. Basically, the logic, if you could even call it that, is that, you know, kind of people put work, people put money to work in the new year. They make New Year's resolutions or something that this year I'm going to invest money. They invest early in the year and presto change of, uh, you know, it sets the tone and then the year is up. So uh, that's the basic idea behind it for a basic okay. idea for a basic tool. You mentioned you may, and then we'll get into the the details of of of, um, of your analysis. But you mentioned predict. Why is it that you think that 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 people still look to predict the market while they know that it cannot be predicted? That's a great question. It's more of a psychological question. No, no definitely a psychological question. But people have been doing this as long as the, as long as they've been trading. People people try to predict everything. You know, they try to predict the weather past uh, two weeks, which is you know incredibly inaccurate. All sorts of things they try to predict, and you know, I, I think I think that currently people are looking more towards predictions because they have an idea. They might have an idea, a subconscious idea that. You know, there's more data now, the analysis is better, the statistical techniques are better. So therefore, uh, you know, the predictions could be better. It's also, you know, it's very comforting that in an age of uncertainty, we have, you know, we 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 can lean on a prediction that somebody made. Uh, you know, they've been right in the past, they'll be right again. Uh, and and that I think that's the logic behind it. Uh, so and we, once... Once we start going over the numbers, I can show you probably, I can tell you probably why this particular, uh, this particular indicator is, is widely adopted and widely spoken about and completely misleading. 
or not um you mentioned you mentioned uh comforting um you know what i think that um maybe that's i think you're right maybe that's the idea to to give people the comfort what to give i guess they want to keep you coming back to the stock market so the more article they write about it well you know some people get it right and maybe there's a way to do it maybe that keeps people on the market because i always remember uh, Mendelbrot, you know, when he when he wrote that book on the um, on the markets, he said that um, he said that they are they kind of poked fun of the of the three legged tool represented by Markowitz, by um, uh, Eugene Pharma, and uh, the third guy, um, the shot with sharp sharp ratio, and basically say, well, they gave you all these theories. They give you all these principles to get you comfortable, to get you to come and play in the market. But he basically showed in his book that um, you don't know. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It, it uh, Well, I'll diverge from that a little. Yeah. That my, my theory or my, my observation on all of these things is that the light goes on and off. It's kind of like a flashlight with bad batteries. Every now and then it goes on, every now and then it goes off. And when these things work, when, when the market is behaving according to the way the, these metrics say or the way the indicators are predicting, they're the greatest things since sliced bread. And everybody says that this is the way the market works suddenly. But the market's a tricky thing. And then suddenly the light goes off. For whatever reason, it's not working anymore. But there's still a lot of people hanging on, you know, hoping beyond hope that, we're still going to, you know, that's not really where the trend line was or you're thinking about it wrong or something. No, the whole, you know, it was working a couple months ago. It's no longer working. Uh, and I think the January barometer is probably a pretty good one of these things uh, that, you know, it works every now and then. And everyone says, look, so there's a lot of survivorship bias in these things and that they they love it when it works. And then sort of like technical analysis, they, they always kind of ignore where they don't do a really good research project on when did this not work? Uh, and how many times did this not work? Not how many times did it work? And even if it did work, people's expectations on these things, I think, are, are they have irrational expectations. I always think of it sort of like, you know, to be a major league baseball player, you can not get a hit seven out of 10 times and be one of the greatest players of all time. <laughs> seven out of 10. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Even if you don't get a hit eight out of 10, it's probably pretty good. So why would we expect financial indicators to have this like incredible 50, you know, higher than 50% return ratio? And if that's true, if you did come across one of these indicators, you know, why are you making any return? Everyone's just going to jump on it and we're not going to be making these returns anymore. I mean, you know, you get outsized returns because this is a difficult game. It's, it's I, I like the way you, the way you survivorship biased. Anyway, let's talk about the January effect and let's get behind the numbers. So I use, as always, I used all my numbers from, I got, I got them from option metrics which is known for volatility data, but they also have a lot of really good underlying data, underlying data on futures and equity as well, as well as all the indices. So I went back in time, not literally, 
to, and I looked at the S&P 500 and the Dow, uh, and I went back to 1996 and 1992. And just basically I did analysis of, okay, if January was up, first five days, first day, blah, 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 how many times did this work? Okay, so for positive returns, all I'm getting is 46.4% for the month of January turns up and the, the, rest, uh, the rest of the year is also positive. Uh, interestingly, if January is negative, if you, I mean, it, to me, the, the, the indicator, one of the tests of validity, the validity of the indicator is it right on the upside as well as the downside. So could it predict downside as well? It doesn't do well on the downside. And this is kind of telling. It only predicts the downside 18% of the time. So 46.4 on the upside, 18% on the downside. The first, whether you look at the first day return or the first five days, you basically get roughly the same answers. It doesn't really change matters all that much. Okay. So in order to test this, so already we're not getting the greatest answer in the world. I mean, 46%, it's an okay number, but it's not like, you know, we're not getting rich. Uh, 17.17% and change on the downside is not even good. I could probably do better just randomly choosing. I would do better randomly choosing. And it's a pretty good sample. I mean, it's all the way back to 92. So it's not a good number to begin with. And here's the other thing. So I decided, let me look at February and March as well. See whether if February closes up, if March closes up, does that have any validity? to it. Well, February, I get slightly lower numbers. March, I actually got higher numbers. March, I got 53.6. And the negative numbers were all about the same. But I'm getting roughly the same answers for January, February, and March, if not higher for the back for the later other months, which to me indicates that there's nothing special about January at all. There really isn't. The, the other months are getting the same thing. Uh, the other thing that I have a problem with is that the negative results don't work. It, do, it only works to the upside. It doesn't work to the downside. If this were a good indicator, I think it would go both ways. Why not? Uh, people are not putting money to work in January. You know, why, why is the logic only one way? Uh, but but here's the thing in broadly, when I, when I first heard about this in you know, the popular press reported that, you know, it's pretty accurate. I said to myself, but wait a minute. The market's generally been bullish about 75% of the time since I forgot when over this period, since 92. About 75% of the time, the market has turned into annual positive returns. So, of course, January is probably going to be positive, just basis that, as would any month. Uh, so. I think the, you know, so that, therefore it's kind of a coincident, it's coincident if, if you believe that January is going to lead to positive annual returns, which you shouldn't, but even if you did, it's coincident to just basically a bull market that's been going on for a long time with certain exceptions. So to me, this is a completely, if you want to believe this, great, but to me, I could probably get similar results by counting the number of cars passing in front of my house. 
Well, the fact that you show that you did it, the, you, you look for the February effect and you look for the March effect and you still have the effect. So, yeah, I wish I did. I, I mean, you know, whenever I look at these things, I'm always hoping, <laughs> did I find this? But, you know, obviously I'm not, you, you know, these things are usually, you know, either they work temporarily or they just don't work. Uh, but, you know, if they, if they really did work, you have to really ask yourself, you know, why would anyone be telling anyone else? I would own the world and everything in it within the space of a couple of years. Uh, so unfortunately, the, the January barometer, it sounds sexy. It's kind of cool at the beginning of the year, but it doesn't really work. It's uh, We should call it this podcast a survivorship bias, really, not the January effect. I like that idea that people well, want to believe and... Uh... Yeah, you, you want to believe. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a long con. You, you know, the reason people get conned into like ridic believing ridiculous stories is because they want it, want to believe it's true. Uh, that's how the basis of almost every confidence game. But this is that this is not that this is just an innocent market, simple, innocent market barometer that just doesn't really work. If you take a good look at it on the surface, you could think it works, uh, but it really does not. It depends who looks at it. If you really want to get into the market, and it's January, and and then you say, "Well, let me get into it," because there's a the, the, the January effect. And when did that start, by the way? When did this story start? This January effect. This has been going. Uh, well, there's the January effect, and there's the Santa Claus rally. I think the hardest thing on most of these indicators is coming up with a pithy name for it. But the uh, it's been going on since I've been following the market since the well, early. 80s. So it's a long time I've been hearing about this. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's tempting to believe it. But like all of these things, you really need, I guess my message is you really need to look at the numbers uh, very carefully and see how many times did this thing not work? How many times did, was it a disappointment? Uh, and is it just coincident to other trends that are going on at the same time? Uh, it's It's not... It's not, it's correlate, you know, is it correlated or is it just not caught? Correlation does not necessarily mean causation. Yeah, I know. Which, and the, the classic example of that, not the classic example, one of the better examples of that lately is the dollar and crude oil, which is one of, which is a similar maxim that I've been hearing as long as I've been trading. And that's when the dollar goes up, crude oil goes down. And this is another one of these things that isn't exactly true, uh, that there are two markets and they kind of behave in their own little world. And often the foreign exchange effect on crude oil is washed, or most of the time is washed by just general, you know, economic growth and geopolitical events affect both markets. But they're not necessarily all the time causally, cor causally correlated. And often they, and as, you know, as we've discovered over the last couple of years, they are often just going in the same direction. They're not inverse, apparently they're not inversely correlated. So these sort of simple ways of looking at the market, you know, are just that. They're simple ways of looking at the market that aren't necessarily true all the time. Sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not, but I'm not, I'm not sure if the big guys, the big traders out there actually look at that. They probably want you to believe that it does work. And they, if they expect you to believe it, then they'll take the, the, 
the offsetting position to take advantage of you more than anything else. You know, the as I said before, the light goes on, the light goes off. Occasionally, the dollar, I don't know why, the, all, all of a sudden, you know, you're trading crude oil and everyone starts talking about the dollar. Uh, and then it's like, okay, we're all looking at the dollar. Uh, but again, because it, it just kind of fades after a couple, after a couple, you know, months or a couple of weeks sometimes, it just kind of fades into the background. I mean, I traded petroleum for a long time. I remember looking at the dollar like two or three times. <laughs> that was about it. Uh, so uh, anyway. Great. All right. So what I'll do is uh, I'll, I'll in, in the post, I will put the link to your research uh, if that's possible. Um, and uh, so people could look more into detail. But uh, thanks for your time. This was uh, This was interesting as usual. Uh, survivorship bias and um, correlation versus causation. And really, we still don't know what's happening in the market, basically. Well, if it, if it helps any, the January barometer this year, yeah, market's kind of flat for January so far. So it's not really saying anything. So if you're relying upon the January barometer, you better switch metrics and think of something else. So. Somebody will. All right. Brent, thank, thank you. you very much. It's been a pleasure. Okay.